It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Today, I'm going to address something we have received just question after question about a lot of anger stirred up right now about new rules on mortgages that roughly 60% of us take out when we take out a mortgage known as the loan level price adjustments. Normally, loan level price adjustments would be a great way for somebody to fall asleep hearing a discussion about it. I'm going to try to make sense of this if I can. So speaking of hot, summer is just around the corner. I can't wait. The hotter it is for me, the better. My predicted daytime temperature that I really prefer is when the first digit is at least a 9, 90 or above. I know a lot of people don't like that, but there's something that I do during the times that I'm outdoors. I slather on sunscreen, but I'm cheap at the same time. How do you save money saving your skin? Well, we're going to talk about that. And, you know, if you're wondering... Have you heard me do this before? Yes, every May going back forever because so many people I know, including my oldest brother, fight skin cancer. So it's the most common cancer. We're going to talk about that later. Now, we got to talk about something that actually has been underway since January, but somehow in the last 10 days has become all the rage from blogs, from social media. There have been news stories about it and such confusion. All right, six out of 10 people taking out a mortgage when they buy a home are taking out a mortgage from the government entities Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Now, these two organizations used to be, you could call them quasi-public, semi-public, whatever, entities. And then when the banking scandals happened 15 years ago and the banking market basically seized up, these entities that ended up buying mortgages from banks both went insolvent. And we, the taxpayers, bailed them out. And Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac remain federal agencies now. Now, my preference is that they be sold back into the marketplace. But for some reason, no administration we've had in power over the last 15 years has done anything about moving the government out of being responsible for the 60% of loans that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac make. And then you've got all the loans that different federal agencies made prior to the banking scandals of 15 years ago. And so essentially, we have an overwhelmingly government-run mortgage market. So this is where it gets into a sticky wicket. I don't even know what a sticky wicket is, but that's an expression that people have used. Christy, do you mind telling me what a sticky wicket is? I feel like it's croquet, but I'm going to look it up. I feel like it's a British thing. Okay. Okay, I don't even know. It just means like this is messy. So... The feds have a legal requirement to try to make housing approachable, affordable, and potentially available for lower-income buyers. 
and for people with lower credit. But people who have lower income and lower credit scores and put down very little down payment have a much higher default risk and potentially foreclosure risk on a mortgage. Uh, did you find... Yeah, it's from Cricket. I had the You were C. right? No, I said croquet. Oh. <laughs> Cricket. Well, it was something with the C, and it was something from the British Empire, right? Yeah. I, okay. was, I, was, I was getting around in the territory, I guess, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Wicket's a part of the field in croquet. Wow. See how much you learn. <laughs> See, it's that Irish blood in you, that <laughs> European blood. You just know this stuff. Okay, so going back to the mortgage fee. So the way it's worked is the the feds continually try to get the mix right. How much should the fees be on people that are higher risk versus people that are lower risk when they take out a federally backed mortgage from Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac? So they um, have changed the formula and the change already went into effect months ago and it affects people who've taken out mortgages recently. It officially goes into effect um, in the next couple of days for people closing May 1st or later. But, but lenders have been uh, going by the new fee schedule for a while. So what does it do? It depends on who you are, how much down payment you're doing, by who I mean credit score, combined with down payment, What's going to happen with fees you have to pay up front for the government to absorb the risk that you might not make your payments? So what's happened is that people who have really high credit scores, 780 or above, depending on how much down payment you make, the fees you have to pay have gone down, stayed the same, or gone up. It's pretty much a wash for people in that top tier of credit scores, 780 or above. On the other hand, people who have a good credit score, generally 680 or above for a mortgage, that depending on where you are in the tier, and I have it from Mortgage News Daily here, I have the chart because I go to the source and I read really dull stuff, and I'm looking at what happens with people's loans from credit scores of 640 and above, and it changes every 20 points. And Krista, could you describe this to me? Green is when the rates are going down. Red is when they're going up. And what do you see overall for rates? It seems like most of them are going to be going, well, it's it's a mixed bag. I mean, yeah, there's- so there's more green than there is red. But the people that are being reported about in the marketplace are people who have credit scores between 720 and 760 are the ones that the news stories have been about. If you have a credit score of 720 to 760 and you are not putting a lot down, you are going to see an upfront fee that is going up from where it was for originating that loan. So it's a fee that you can be charged at the time of closing or the lender can charge you a higher rate over the course of the loan every month. It's generally better to pay that fee up front 
But for the typical borrower that I was able to crunch the numbers, who has a good credit score, not a fantastic one, but a good credit score, is going to be about $375 more for a person with a bad credit score not putting a lot of money down their fees are going down several hundred dollars. So it varies completely. And I wish I could show you a close-up for those of you who watch our YouTube show. Can we add this to the notes? We can certainly add a link to it. I don't and we, we can, can do it for both the, the audio podcast and yeah, the video. Sure. Great. Because I can't even really read it without glasses. <laughs> Standing right here. Really, you have to. Oh, that's why you were squinting? Yeah. Because you needed glasses? Okay. (laughs) So the point is, this affects people all different ways at all different credit scores. And the news stories have been about this sliver of people in this 40-point band that are seeing multiple hundreds of dollars more in closing costs from this. And the government in its infinite wisdom, decided that the fees were way too high for people with low credit scores. And there's a cross subsidy going on here. And the best answer to all this is get the government out of the mortgage business as much as possible. Let the free market handle this. And that's what I would do. The news stories and particularly what's been running around on social media have made this a much bigger deal than it actually is. But you know where there's a lot of smoke, there can be a little bit of fire. There are segments of the market, and you can look at the charts we're going to have you, that will show you based on your credit score and how much down payment you're doing, if this affects you in a good way, a bad way, or in between. And I just want to make it clear, this isn't a horrific event like the rumors have been spreading the last 10 days or so, but I still don't like the cross-subsidy nature of this. So I did pull one of the questions we got about this and you've answered some of this. One of the reasons I think people are really hyped up about it is there's a May 1st date that's been put out a lot that this is beginning. Rich in North Carolina said, what do you think about the new mortgage rules going into effect on May 1st? As someone with good credit, are there any strategies to protect yourself from this? Does it make any difference if you get your loan through a bank versus a credit union in regard to this change? It sounds like making a larger down payment also triggers this punishment in addition to high credit scores. So just, I guess, the parts you have. So so you'll see this in the chart, Rich, is that a lot of what's been reported is not truly accurate. Uh, the more down payment you put in, the less any of this has any impact on you, especially people with the highest band of credit scores, 780 to 850. This is something that will potentially save you money. But the credit union question, yes, there are a number of larger credit unions that write and hold what's known as in-portfolio the mortgages they issue. So they're not, uh, remember I said this is 60% of loans are done by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. That means 40% are elsewhere and credit unions that hold their own loans in-house, what's known as in-portfolio, follow their own rules and these type of fees don't exist. That's why credit unions can offer completely different mortgages 
than traditional earthlings like banks that still do mortgages and mortgage brokers, mortgage bankers, because credit unions, some of them are big enough and powerful enough that they create their own mortgage market. They not only service the mortgages themselves, they're the ones that pony up the money and you don't have to worry about what fee government raises or lowers or anything like that. Tom in Virginia says, you've talked about homeowners with low mortgage interest rates not willing to sell. What about the new owner assuming the loan? How can that be done so both parties benefit or owner finance the sale of your home? Would either of those work? So Tom, you're really thinking here. I love it. Okay. So a third of people own their homes free and clear, no mortgage. And if you're going to sell your home a big advantage you have in the marketplace, very similar to what's happening right now in new construction, you can pretty much structure a mortgage to a buyer that really helps that buyer and creates a more marketable house for you, potentially even a firmer or better price for the sale of your home. If you own or finance, make sure that you get a really solid percent down payment. Typically, 20% is the entry point for doing owner financing. And then you carry that loan. And normally what you would do is it would be set up as if it was a 30-year loan with the loan being called, what's known as a balloon, typically at seven years or 10 years. So that you're not carrying interest rate risk for the next 30 years, you're carrying it for seven to 10. And you're giving that borrower an opportunity to get a better deal than market on the loan. Second thing you asked about, assumable loans. There are, and this is something nobody paid attention to for years because mortgage rates were so low, nobody wanted to assume somebody's older loan. But now there are still people with loans, you got to pull out your original loan documents that allow the loan you have on your home, if you have a loan, to be assumed by a buyer at what's known as NE, non-escalating. The rate that the loan has transfers from the existing borrower to a new borrower. I I had the percent months ago, we did it on the podcast. Mm -hmm. I feel like it was somewhere in the teens of loans were available to be assumed non-escalating. And so that is an opportunity for people to stand out in the marketplace and offer a buyer something superior to what they can get in today's mortgage rate market. Squeeze in one more here. Sure. Kenneth in Georgia says, I have a lease extension on a car that I want to apply for a loan to buy it. I also want to apply for a refinance of my mortgage loan. And I also want to apply for a loan for a walk-in tub. In what order should I do these applications so as to increase my chances of approval? Wow. Uh, One train leaves Cleveland at nine, another (laughs) leaves Buffalo at 11. uh, Okay. So in this case, the priorities are the mortgage first, buying out the lease second, and the walk-in tub third. The reason is when you're applying for a mortgage, any other extension of credit in the last six months really hurts you on that mortgage application being approved and the interest rate you'll get on that mortgage. So the mortgage is absolutely first getting the opportunity to buy out 
a lease right now on a vehicle is an extremely favorable thing in almost every case I've seen. So that would be second. And then the walk-in tub, that comes in third and last as a priority. Now, coming ahead, I mentioned earlier at the top of this podcast, we're going to talk about sunscreen. And there's this belief, there are so many people who say, well, you get what you pay for and believe the more you spend, the better something's going to be. Not true, not true, not true, over and over again. And I'm going to give you new info on sunscreen to protect your skin and your wallet at the same time. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm such an overachiever. I told you at the beginning of the podcast that every May we talk about sunscreen. And Krista reminded me, it's still April. I mean, May doesn't start till Monday. And so we're doing sunscreens early, but Consumer Reports' annual review of sunscreens is out. And let me tell you something shocking. Some of the really expensive sunscreens have earned the lowest rating I've ever seen from Consumer Reports. One of them gets a 15. If you're not familiar, Consumer Reports, you start getting below 60 and you're starting to get into things that are really not so great but this year there's a sunscreen lotion that actually got consumer reports highest possible score a hundred a hundred and it's a moderate price sunscreen from copper tone i'm going to actually give the full name because i don't ever remember in our annual reviews leading into summer of sunscreens there ever being one that got in a hundred it is called copper tone water babies lotion spf 50 so many of them are spf 50 now but a hundred and consumer reports always puts the lotions first because i think they like those better than the sprays but anyway it's a retail price, nine bucks. You'll probably find it for less if you shop around on sale. So that perfect score again, Coppertone Water Babies Lotion SPF 50. And then one called Everyday Humans, Oh My Bod. You ever heard of that? I love that. $17.50, way outside of my budget. But guess what else did really well that's really cheap? One of the ones from Walmart, their private label Equate. We're going to talk about that. Now, those are lotions. Again, this year, sprays, and a lot of people 
Love to use the sprays because they're quick and easy. They're just recommended that you don't use a spray on kids because of the stuff they breathe in. You don't think those chemicals are really good for kids to breathe in? No. No? Trader Joe's spray SPF 50, seven bucks, top rated of all the sprays that Krista says we shouldn't be using. And Neutrogena also has one on this list. Neutrogena Beach Defense Water Plus Sun Protection Spray, again, SPF 50. They're all going to say, all the top rated ones will say SPF 50, it seems. It's $11, so the Trader Joe's is a much better deal. But you know who else did really well on this? The Equate brand from Walmart recommended in the lotion, and it's the cheapest out there that they talk about that gets a recommended rating. And then with the sprays as well, we've got the Trader Joe's that I mentioned, and then we've got Equate again that is the cheapest and gets a good rating from Consumer Reports. So Equate is Walmart's private label that a lot of people turn their noses up at, but you get good value for your money and decent protection. But for my money, Trader Joe's in the spray and Coppertone, and I'll have to look at the warehouse clubs and see who's carrying this Coppertone Water Babies Lotion SPF 50, 100, a perfect score. But Krista and I have this argument about sunscreens every year because she insists on buying something that my eyes kind of glaze over that don't have chemicals in them. You call them physical sunscreens? I think that's what they're called in the consumer marketplace. There's physical sunscreen, there's chemical sunscreen. And so there is worry from a lot of people, but it's never worry from Krista and others. Well, a lot of people worry about this, that the chemicals that are used in these traditional sunscreens seep into your blood system. It cannot be good for you. You know, there's been recalls where there have been cancer causing agents that have been in these sunscreens. And so if you get a mineral based sunscreen, there's less worry and it physically blocks instead of chemically blocking the sun. And so they usually say mineral-based, and I've even found them at the warehouse clubs before, so I don't want to spend a million dollars either, but, you know, I do worry about that. Your skin's your biggest organ. But you also have to be careful because I'm looking at the consumer reports. They have this identifier for these physical sunscreens or whatever Mm -hmm. they call them, and the lowest score I've ever seen in consumer reports was earned by one of those. Okay. So very meaning sensitive. that it's not protecting your skin really at all. I have very sensitive, very, I'm very pale and I am a sunscreen fanatic and I, I don't get burned when I use the sunscreens I've been using, but what do I know? So you look for, it usually say mineral, but they have zinc oxide or titanium dioxide or the physical blockers, the mineral blockers in those sunscreens. But okay, we do so hear I'm looking, about it I'm looking at people. the sprays that Consumer Reports tested. Mm-hmm. So the first I was talking about was lotion. The top-rated spray that is one of the ones you're talking about mm-hmm. that doesn't use the chemicals gets a score of 37. That's pitiful. That's like me in high school and a lot of tests I took. It's <laughs> getting around to 37. That's not a passing grade. So this is one that is hard Mm -hmm. because the most effective sunscreens based on Consumer Reports research are ones that use the chemicals that you don't want to have on you. 
but the reality is they're not providing the level of protection from the sun that you get from the ones with the chemicals in them. Okay. So you and I will continue to do complete opposite things on protecting our skin with sunscreen. Okay. We'll go to questions now. This is from John in Pennsylvania. You've mentioned that you have apps on your phone that promise to give you something. What I understand is that all the apps you put on your phone to get discounts, free food, preferential treatment, et cetera, are not free. They all know who you are, where you are, where you've been, what you bought, and how much you paid for it. This information is sent from your phone to the people that wrote the apps. After the owners of the apps have that information, they can predict where you will go, what you will buy, how much you'll be willing to pay for it. All this information is collected and sold to many different entities. All those apps are a massive infringement on your life and privacy. This is one way spammers get your email address. If you know of a way to prevent the collection and sale of this data by these apps and still get the benefits they promise, please explain how and post it on your website. Thank you for that. So first of all, with location data, a lot of the apps, when you load them on an iPhone or an Android, ask when they have access to information about you. And so whenever I'm giving permission, I say only while using the app so that they're not tracking my location other than knowing like if I use the Chick-fil-A app or the McDonald's app or the Whataburger app or who knows what other food apps I have. They are, while I'm using the app actively, they know my location, they know when to start preparing my food. And yes, there have been problems repeatedly with permissions involving apps. And we've read some of the crazy things that they reserve permission for themselves for. And you were right as well, that if I give up the convenience of using the app, give up the opportunity to get the free food that comes with the app, then I will have more privacy in my life. I have chosen in the case of the food apps to get the advantage of the discounts and the quicker service. So that's been my choice, but your point is very well made about anytime you download any app to your iPhone or Android, you're creating risks involved with what people behind the curtain might do with that information, no maybe, doubt. Maybe you should create a persona, like a fake persona with a specific email address that you only use with apps. So you can go in and verify who you are in the email but, you know, you just create this whole, like, different name and everything. What would you do about the phone number? Because most well, of the apps you want help. your phone number. I mean, unless, could you use you Google? You have a burner phone. Could you use a Google? Yeah. Yeah, you could have phone. a burner phone. Uh, yeah. I use my burner <laughs> phone to crazy. go to Chick-fil-A because who knows what Chick-fil-A is doing. Oh, my gosh. All right. We'll go on to Robert in Pennsylvania. Clark, can you look into your crystal ball? As Americans begin to purchase more EV cars, are we just going to see electric rates going up like fuel prices today? This is a great question. And, Robert, the thing that's really cool about how electric vehicles charge, 80-plus percent of electric vehicle charging is done at home, at night, and more and more utilities are able to balance load by offering people time of use rates because power companies have extreme excesses of power overnight and it creates a much more efficient power grid when people charge those electric vehicles at night. With an electric vehicle, if you're not aware, you plug it in 
at home or a condo, apartment, whatever, when you plug it in at night, you can designate what hours the charging takes place. And utilities very much are going to use price signaling to get that done overwhelmingly overnight. So in terms of strain on the power system, I don't think it's any issue at all with most charging done at home at night. Dave in Maryland says, I'm a huge Clark head. Clark head. And I know he recommends always having a vehicle inspected by a mechanic of your choosing. But does this hold true for certified pre-owned? I'm looking at a Toyota. I'm looking at Toyotas and the ones in my area are super expensive. I could go out of state, but they seem to sell quickly. And I've lost a few deals because the dealerships don't want to deal with the hassle of arranging such an inspection. How about it, Clark? Can I skip the third-party inspection if the car is CPO by Toyota? So certified pre-owned. Certified pre-owned is one of the most oversold concepts in the car business. The manufacturers all do CPO as a way of propping up the value of their used vehicles below a certain miles and uh, new enough to be within a certain age range. The dealers are on their honor to say that they have done a 140-point check or whatever each manufacturer says. Don't know what number Toyota says. And uh, you would hope that when they do the checking, they're really doing what they say they do. Well, there was a used vehicle that my wife was looking at years ago that was being sold CPO, not Toyota brand, another brand. And guess what was on the Carfax? The CPO said everything was great, no accidents, anything like that. Right there on the Carfax, the vehicle had been in a significant, meaningful, structural accident. So the vehicle was never going to be worth anything like it should have been. Any dealer would have been able to see without even doing their inspection that that vehicle had been in an accident. They were trying to make more money at that dealer passing it through as a CPO. So no, you cannot trust that because it says CPO at any dealer that they really have done what they've said they've done and that they have not waved through something they happen to know has been in a major accident or something like that. So CPO helps you as an owner because you get the manufacturer backing up the vehicle for a specified period of time and miles. And that is a nice advantage when you're buying a used vehicle because that comes straight from the manufacturer. But the condition of that vehicle, you cannot trust that the dealer has ethically, morally, and responsibly handled that how many point check. And that's why having it checked out by a mechanic remains very important. Now, car dealers, you're unhappy with me about this? We got something for you. Clark.com slash Clark Stinks. In fact, we'll do Clark Stinks on tomorrow's podcast. It is your opportunity to tell me why I'm missing the mark, why that was a fluke, whatever, and that why buyers should trust CPO programs. I'm all ears, ready to hear from you. And I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Remember, we are here to serve you around the clock. The sun never sets on Clark.com as we answer your consumer questions with wonderful targeted advice around the clock every day of the year. 
at Clark.com. Clark.com never even gets holidays. I mean, it's always working. So we are there for you. And also, if you need one-on-one specific advice for a problem you're having, a question you have, know that for 30-plus years, our Team Clark Consumer Action Center is on the job for you 30 of the 168 hours of the week, taking your calls one-on-one with free advice from 10 in the morning Eastern Time till 4 in the afternoon Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, and you get that one-on-one advice at 636-49-CLARK. Have a great day.